Hey, patrons, welcome to your bonus podcast. Martin Rowe is joining me again. Hello, Martin. Hello again. Um, so we have a topic. <laughs> I'm laughing because I started to like ease into my like bad British accent. <laughs> of, do you, you remember the, oh, watch a sigh? Of course, I yeah. I do indeed remember that. <laughs> But for patrons who may not understand this joke, uh, Michael and I were on a Ragnar Relay um, Strongheart's vegan power team uh, probably five years ago, something six oh, wow. years ago. Yeah, I think so. Ago. And we shared a car ride all the way to um, Massachusetts where we were doing the relay. And Michael entertained us with his apparently – British accent. Uh, I think I was so just, that was the way home, I think. Uh, and I, I was, I think, but I could be wrong. I was so like, just like <laughs> batty. Our, this uh, Ragnar Relay is basically a two-day run where we run through the night, this team of 12 people. Um, so the drive home <laughs> was challenging. Uh, and I guess I chose to do a, a bad accent as a means of entertaining myself and others. Well, it kept us awake. That was the key thing. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, so that wasn't what we planned to talk about in this <laughs> podcast. But I'm so glad that we did. That run was really fun. I think that was the first one I ever did. The first yeah, of well, those releases. Yeah, it was the first and only one so far. And I was, a, I was a pinch hitter for somebody at the last moment. It was very, very, very fun. I've never forgotten it. It was a very intense experience, but great, terrific. And yeah. I got to meet you and a bunch of other folk that I hadn't met before. So it was great. Yeah. And there's that moment in the middle of it, always in the middle of the night, <laughs> that moment of like, what the f- fuck why am why did i say yes to this and then it's over and you're having fun well first of all the uh strong hearts vegan power sweatshirts were fantastic i mean they really are very very comfortable and they lasted a long time and the second most fun moment because there were three teams of 12 vegans all wearing the same gear and i think at one point at like 1 30 in the morning all three groups converged at <laughs> one spot and I think all the non-vegan runners were thinking like, holy shit, we're surrounded by <laughs> all of these vegans wearing black. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's uh, a cult. So if you were in any if you were trying to avoid the vegans during your run on that, it was hard to do so. We were everywhere. Uh, <laughs> so we were doing our own particular form of outreach. Yeah, there was one year of this relay that we had pamphlets that we gave out, which was a Valuable and also, I think, added to the to the to the cult like uh, appearance of our group. Here, would you like to read about the our savior, Kale? Yeah, you're just about to run twelve miles, but here's a pamphlet to keep you coming. <laughs> uh, well, so here's what I really wanted to talk about: um, the title of the book, "The Animals Are Leaving Us." I actually intended to ask this during the main interview, and then we talked about so many other things. I didn't get to it. Um, it, the meaning, it, it's, it has a lot, when you think about the title of this, can you talk about it a little bit? Yes, well, the animals and believing us just came to me as a phrase, you know, one of those phrases that just pops into your head, it's a perfect iambic, uh, rhythmic pattern, and it felt very resonant to me, and I kind of had to figure out what it is I actually meant, because on the face of it, this poem and Joanne MacArthur's photographs suggest that the animals are all around us. 
in vast numbers uh, and we pay them no attention or we herd them or slaughter them in great numbers. So they would appear not to be leaving us. But the impulse for the poem and perhaps the phrase itself also came out of a report of the collapse of biodiversity that um, appeared in June 2019, which is when I composed the beginnings of this poem. And for me, that just felt that the animals were just disappearing from the world. And that led me to riff on the idea of a world without wildlife. And then as I thought about the phrase leaving us, it not only became a consequence of the destruction of habitat and the death of and extinction of species, but it also became the animals withdrawing from us, much as in the way that animals leave the space when they feel that there's an earthquake about to happen or a tsunami is about to happen, when their senses are that there's something dangerous and they leave us. But also they're leaving us because they've, they're done with us. They've had enough of our cruelty and our indifference. They've had enough of our random violence. They are moving away from us. And then the final meaning of leaving us is in essence that we will therefore be alone. And so the animals are leaving us is a lamentation because we are no longer going to be accompanied by the animals. Our dream animals, our configurations of, of totemic power, our symbols in the heavens, our sense of the possibilities of, of imagination in childhood, all of that will be gone, leaving us by ourselves, this singular animal on a planet that it has destroyed. So that there were multiple elements of leaving us, more and more becoming about the animals willfully no longer being part of our world. Hmm. I love the way that you, and tell me if this is true, that you wrote that phrase and then went back to figure out what you meant by it because i've had that experience too of like wait what what does this mean like what can you talk about that process a little bit yeah i mean i think it's familiar to anybody who's an artist you know when a musician for instance a particular tune comes into your head and you think uh, well in the case of paul mccartney with yesterday it was hang on where have i heard that before uh, this this phrase, and he goes to his bandmates and says, where's this from? And they don't know where it's from, but it just came to him. Hmm. And then he had to think of words to fill it, um, and uh, it eventually ended up as yesterday. So this phrase uh, is a similar kind of mysterious sense of where is that coming from, and what does it mean? And then you think about it, and up comes a set of ideas and a set of feelings that accompany that. So uh, nothing particularly mysterious. I, I think you should honor the unconscious uh, and, and subconscious. You should expect things to surprise you. Um, and the issue is what you then choose to do with it um, mm. that matters. Um, <clears throat> yeah. My challenge with a lot of those things is remembering <laughs> the thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's a, there's a famous story of Samuel Taylor Coleridge who fell into an opium-induced sleep during which huge numbers and numbers of verses came into his head, fully formed. And he woke up 
from his opium-induced sleep and started writing, only to be interrupted by a gentleman from the nearby village of Porlock coming to see him about something. By the time the visit had ended, he'd forgotten most of what it was that he wanted to write. But at least we got in Xanadu de Kublai Khan the stately pleasure dome decree, where Alf the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man down to a sunless sea. So you should allow the the imagination to flow. You don't need to take an opioid to do it, but nonetheless allow it to flow. And try not to be interrupted by the quotidian world as you mm. as you go about writing it down. Ah. Uh. Uh, the, another great conversation. <laughs> Yay, Martin Rowe! Well, this was a lot of fun, Michael. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all the work you, you do and, and all the voices you bring uh, onto the air. So much appreciation. Uh, thank you.